Today's guest was laid off in the midst of the financial crisis in 2008, but he kept moving. Because he did, a lot of good happened for him and others. In this conversation, how to transform the panic of a layoff into a purposeful next step. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 477. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. We're all navigating this new reality we have through the pandemic and COVID-19. It is the third time in my career that there's been a major economic downturn that has affected almost all of us and almost every organization, and perhaps this one more significantly than any other. And one of the realities that happens whenever there's an economic change or downturn is the reality of layoffs. Sadly, there are folks in our audience who have already been affected by layoffs. All of us, I think, know someone who has already been affected by the situation. Most of us know many people. And of course, many of you have been asked to administer layoffs or are going to be asked that in the coming weeks and months. And today, a conversation that will, I think, be helpful to all of us, whether we're the person that is taking that action, whether we're the person on the receiving end, or whether we're just the person who is wanting to support someone in our life who has been through a situation like this, I think today's story will be really helpful to you. I'm really glad to welcome to the show today, Pat Flynn. Pat is a father, husband, and entrepreneur who lives and works in San Diego, California. He owns several businesses that are online and is a professional blogger, keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and host of the Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat podcast, which have earned a combined total of over 60 million downloads, multiple awards, and features and publications like the New York Times and Forbes. He's also an advisor to ConvertKit, Leadpages, Teachable, and other companies that are in the digital marketing arena. He's the author of the book, Let Go, How to Transform Moments of Panic into a Life of Profits and Purpose. You can find him over at smartpassiveincome.com. Pat, it is great to talk to you again. It's such a pleasure, Dave. I'm really excited to chat about this today because in light of everything that's happening, one thing that's also been happening on my end is my story from back in 2008 when I got let go has become very relevant and, and, and inspirational for a lot of people. So I'm happy to share that with everybody today. And I'd like to go back to 2008 because you didn't start your career as the entrepreneur and the expert running online businesses that you're known for today. Let's actually go back maybe all the way to 2006, right after you finished college. You actually got a degree in architecture, didn't you? I did. I went to UC Berkeley. I wanted to be an architect for most of my life. And I was really excited to graduate and find a really incredible job coming out of school. I got very lucky and it was actually through a connection in the marching band at Cal. I was student director of the band and it was a connection and somebody that we had played for found me and we started chatting and they had some uh, pull in the architecture space and I was able to actually have a job ready for me sort of right out of college at this prestigious firm in the Bay Area and um, it was restaurants, it was hotels, it was uh, retail architecture. It was just so much fun. It was exactly where I wanted to be. And I was planning the rest of my life. In fact, a number of things had happened 
soon after I started that career, I started to fall in love with it even more such that I was doing a lot more than I was asked of from my higher ups that uh, so much so that I was actually the youngest person to get promoted to job captain and have employees under me. So I was sort of in a managerial position, even at a young age. And I was contributing to my 401k. I was, you know, ready to buy a house. I was, you know, getting excited to uh, get married. I had just proposed to my wife in early 2008. And, you know, everything, everything was growing well. Like everything was perfect. Yeah. Right. The worst problem was the fact that gas was like $5 a gallon. Like that was the worst problem. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And you, you did some things that were really interesting too, is, you know, you started an entry level role initially. And as you mentioned, you got promoted to job captain pretty quickly. And one of the other things that you decided to do was study for and, and actually achieve the LEED certification. What prompted you to do that at that time? Yeah, in fact, there are a lot of different tests that architects have to take to get your architectural license. I was not quite ready to take those yet. That's like a seven-year-long process with eight to 10 different tests, including oral exams and stuff. And I wasn't quite ready for that, but I still wanted to add to my resume first. And there were some other tests that I could take, several, in fact. And there was one that was very difficult that not a lot of people were able to pass. And that, to me, was like, boom, that's the one I want to focus on. Because if I can pass that then that's going to show my bosses and anybody else in the industry that I have this credential and uh, that could, you know, help me in my career even more versus, you know, first dedicating seven years into this architecture license and then getting this. So I thought because maybe if I could just focus for a year on this exam, it could go very well. I remember studying for it for about a month and taking the exam, like a practice exam. And I think I got like a 30% on it. Oh, wow. This is like the lowest score. Like it was very deflating, right? Because having gotten straight A's and going to college and stuff like getting 30%, like 80% would have been bad, let alone 30%. And I got a sense of how difficult this test was. So I saw that as a challenge and I wanted to go all out with learning as much as I could about this exam. And eventually I ended up passing the exam and um, also helping a lot of my coworkers pass that exam as well. Not really paying attention to the fact that this sort of exam knowledge was a superpower of mine. That comes into play later. But I passed that exam and to help me pass, in fact, I had built a blog to just keep track of my notes. And in fact, this blog was actually created simply to be a mechanism for me to share my notes with my coworkers. I had literally no sense of how Google or keywords or business online worked. That was not even on my radar. And I passed the exam and then that, that website was done. I didn't have any need for it. It was just much easier for me to create because I had some personal blogging experience from college. So it was just a tool for that. And, that, and that's basically it. You got the promotion to job captain, as you mentioned a bit ago in 2008. What was that like taking on that new responsibility and, and so early in your career? I mean, it was, it was a, you know, I was a little bit nervous. I had never had people under me like that before, but I was pulling from experience from college in the marching band again. I'm definitely a big marching band nerd. And having some people under me as student director, you know, we had a, a committee and all these other things. So I was trying my best to, you know, pull from that experience and, you know, understand relationships. Relationships were, were absolutely huge. And I was doing the best that I could to, build relationships and, and be that, you know, boss, the, that person that people would report to that everybody enjoyed and liked. And, and so I wanted to make it fun for my sort of entry level architects and, and drafters that came in and, and even the interns that were in there as well. And again, I, I was setting myself up for success. I was planning on getting my license. I was planning on at the age of 45 to 50, starting my own architecture firm and having some sort of specialty. I wanted to be the next, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright or you know, Frank Gehry, you know, 
that was a plan, but uh, you know, plans change. As Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> Indeed. And the punch came pretty quickly. Uh, it was just a few months into 2008 that the world started to change, not as quickly as it has recently, but it, but it was fairly quick at the time. When did you have a sense that there was trouble that might affect you? I mean, honestly, it was about it was around April and May of 2008. Uh, again, I had just proposed to my girlfriend and we were getting ready to plan this wedding. And it was just I had a sense because some people were getting let go, people who were sort of contractors. We weren't working with them anymore. A lot of our clients started to leave or not spend money with us anymore or projects were being put on hold. And it was just strange. However, Every day we would have meetings about the situation and, and we were insured. Our bosses told us everything was going to be okay. That was literally the words that they've used. And uh, just sort of a piece of advice, like if you are not 100% sure everything's going to be okay, don't tell people that everything's going to be okay. Because that definitely made it worse when I eventually got that call into my boss's office. And, th- and that was June 17th, 2008. That, that's when I knew something was up because I had never been called into the office like that before. And I saw it on my boss's face and he basically sat me down and he said, Pat, you're one of the youngest, brightest guys we've ever worked with. We're very thankful to have gotten to, to get to know you and, and have you help us out. But unfortunately, we've held you on, on as long as we could. Just in light of everything that's happening right now, we have to let you go. And I think because there was just so much positivity out of all those meetings and everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay, I started to believe that. And because I believe that and then have the rug pulled out under me almost soon after, it felt a lot worse. I didn't have time to prepare. I didn't, I didn't expect it. And of course, I was hopeful that I would keep my job and I trusted them. And my immediate reaction was to be upset. I was really upset about how there was just no lead up into that. I would have much more appreciated a little bit more of an honest and authentic approach to the, the situation. And me being sort of a lot younger, not really even understanding how the world necessarily worked at the time, you know, I just believed what these higher ups who were much older and wiser than me supposedly said. And uh, when it all got taken away from me, it felt like when you get punched in the gut and you kind of lose your breath. I actually couldn't breathe for a while. It hurt that much. And especially because you have these dreams and you have these plans, it's just it's, it's just a tough thing to take in, right? So that's my first reaction was to be upset. And then I started to get worried and fearful. And when somebody has their dream taken away like that, or just, you know, isn't quite sure what's going to happen next, you know, the anxiety starts to kick in. And we as human beings, we start to think of the worst case scenarios, right? I, I was even to the point where I was thinking, you know, I'd lose, not, not only did, my, did I lose my job, but like, would I lose my fiance? Would my parents who helped pay my way through college, are they going to be disappointed in me? Am I going to end up like naked in a ditch somewhere, homeless? Like I was literally thinking these things, even though it's sort of outlandish and ridiculous. But the mindset and mental of a person who goes through something like that, especially when it's unexpected, it just starts to spiral downward very heavily and very quickly. I appreciate you sharing that because seeing people in my life who've gone through that as well, you do have a sense logically that those things aren't going to happen, those worst case scenarios, but it doesn't change that you feel like it is absolutely going to be a worst case scenario and it just feels awful. And I'm curious what those first few days and weeks were like for you after the layoff. Well, I'll tell you exactly the moment after. Uh, after feeling that anxiety and fear, I started to try to, to, to wear the hat of problem solver, right? Okay, there's a problem here. I'm going to try to solve this. 
I don't have this job right now, but maybe I can go find a new one. And so I went back to my desk literally right after that meeting. And I started to call every single architecture firm that we had ever reached out to that I knew all my friends from college, any plumber, mechanical engineering person that we've ever spoken to. And for the next three hours, I was just literally making calls because I could not imagine anything else but this world that I was involved with and dedicated myself to. And so it got to the point where I was begging for assistant positions, secretary, like stuff that I was definitely not meant to do as somebody who was definitely well qualified coming from job captain, but it was just, that's all I knew. And that's, I couldn't imagine anything else, but, and so I went home after work that day, took a bunch of stuff home and my fiance who was coming home from work herself, I told her what happened over text. She said, I'm coming right over. She came over and she just saw me like in a puddle of tears. Like I honestly was just so, so distraught from the situation and I wasn't quite sure what she was going to say. Again, I was making up all these things that were terrible that were going to happen as a result of this. And she came over to me. She didn't say a word. She just gave me a hug. And she said, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And those, those were the most meaningful words I'd ever heard because we being a part of that, it's like, we're in this together. I'm here for you. We're going to be okay. No matter what happens, I'm still going to be there for you. That was really important. And so for, for, for me, having her be there for me was so key because I knew that it wasn't going to be as bad as I thought because we were at least uh, in this together. There was somebody there who could empathize. There was somebody there who was going to support me no matter what. And that was absolutely key. Now, the interesting thing about this story was they couldn't let me go right away. They couldn't do that because I had people who were working under me and because we had clients who I was in direct contact with who they still wanted to keep ties with, but they were going to have to take me off the project and put somebody else in its place and I'd have to help train them. So like, imagine... You're getting told you're getting let go, but then you're also being asked to train somebody else who's going to take your place, who is likely taking on additional work that they didn't need to before, who probably doesn't want that either. It's just not a great situation. So I kept going into work, however, because that was the only money that I imagined was able to come in for the next month before my termination date. And I remember moving back in with my parents in San Diego. I was working in Orange County, by the way, kind of close to near you on Jamboree Road. Yeah. And that was either a two-hour drive or a train ride. And so I took the train every day because it was a lot cheaper. And I remember going into the train and every day not being encouraged to go to work. And every time the train stopped at a different location in between San Diego and Orange County, I would see these people come in with their coats and their suitcases and their laptops. And I would literally be jealous of them. I would think, wow, you're so lucky you still have your job. Like you're walking into work every day. And I had no idea who these people were or what their story was. But again, it was just me mentally making up stories to almost make myself feel even worse. And it was on that train ride that I then later discovered podcasts. And it was actually a podcast in particular that I listened to and discovered that I heard a story that changed everything for me. And it was a story about somebody who was helping people pass the project management exam, the PM exam. And it was that story on that particular podcast. It's called Internet Business Mastery that opened up my entire world to there are ways that I can take the things that I've learned and offer that to others potentially in exchange for some money and potentially to create a business out of that. And that, that's really where all that started. The other thing that I did to keep my mind off of things was literally I watched Back to the Future over and over again. It made me escape. It allowed me to escape. It allowed me to believe sort of for a brief moment in time that there maybe was this possibility that a time machine might be created one day mm -hmm. that I could then go into DeLorean and change things and maybe work a little bit harder or choose a different career or something different. I just, but you know, after that one hour and 52 minutes, like I'd always come back to reality. 
And it was, it was, it was the combination of that podcast episode and hearing other people's stories with watching Back to the Future that changed everything because Back to the Future, although it's a fictional story, right? There is some truth to the idea that, you know, the actions that you take now completely rewrite the story that you are going to have in the future. And although we can't go into the past, change a couple things and come back to where we are now and things will be different, we can't do that. But we can choose the direction we want to take now to unlock the new story that we want for ourselves in the future. So I eventually realized that, well, the story that I was telling myself that I was sort of a part of, going to school, getting good grades, going to Berkeley, getting a great job, becoming job captain at an early age. Like that was my story. That was the ladder I was climbing. But I had to make a decision to start a new story. And that's when I started exploring this idea of, you know, trying to do something on my own and taking knowledge about something that I had and potentially sharing it with others. Where did the direction start to change for you during that time? It started to change in... So I was still going into work by the time I discovered this podcast, right? So the direction started to change and I actually started to get excited about that potential future. The more and more I started consuming more information about this new world and the more episodes I listened to from that podcast, I started to build a relationship with those hosts, even though I never spoke to them in real life, not until a little bit later, but I felt like, wow, this was somebody who understands because they're giving me hope. They're giving me inspiration and they're showcasing people who have done it before me. And so I just started to imagine what the future might be like if I started to explore this route a little bit. And then I remembered, whoa, I have this blog that I created for my coworkers. Might I be able to take that and turn it into something? Like, I don't know. It was helpful for my coworkers. It might be helpful for other people. I don't know how they're going to discover me. I don't know how they're going to find me. I don't even know how Google or keywords work or any of that stuff. But maybe I can go back to that website and check it out and start to rearrange it in a way that other people might be able to find it. And so that's what I did. I went back to that website. I hadn't logged in for months and like I didn't open it up for comments or anything. It's not like a a traditional blog. It was just kind of a a reference resource. So I had no idea of what kind of activity was on the website. But what I ended up doing was I, because I wanted to start keeping track of the activity on the website, I added an analytical tool to help keep track of all that, of all the stats. And I woke up the next day and I I saw there were over a thousand people who visited the day prior. And I was like, what? Like, did I just visit the website a thousand times? Like, is that, is that what's happening here? I don't understand what's going on. And I started to see that, in fact, that resource was being linked to from all over the web. Wow. People somehow discovered that this thing existed. And I eventually found out that it was Google. The fact that I was actually publishing this stuff and it was helpful for people, people started linking to it. They started sharing it. And eventually I opened up the comments and I started to get a flood of people asking me, like, what does this mean? Or can you help me with this? Or I don't understand this. How, like, what, what do I do here? And I started to get a little overwhelmed. In fact, I actually started to retreat right away, not really believing that this is something that I could do. I was not an expert on the topic. I did pass the exam, but I didn't consider myself an expert. But I had all these people asking me questions. And the direction really changed after a couple of weeks when I started to actually reply to those comments and see that, well, I actually do know some of this stuff or I can find the information out at least and share it back. And I started to get real replies from people. People started emailing me, thanking me for helping. People started showing me that they were using my website to help them pass the exam. And here's the crazy part about it. They were calling me by name. And that's something that really never happened in the architecture space. In fact, I have my fingerprint on several different buildings and restaurants and hotels around the United States. And nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever give me credit for that. Nobody nobody will even know I've had a hand in that. Yet here I am helping people on a website pass an exam 
and they're saying, Pat, thank you so much for your help. I was able to pass. Pat, I'm going to share you with my entire office. Pat this, Pat that. And I'm like, what? I couldn't wrap my head around what was happening. It was just all so new to me. All the while, even though this website was growing, I was still hunting for architecture jobs. I was still putting my resume out there. I was still going into job interviews around the local San Diego area. But that, that's when I knew something was up here, when I was actually getting direct connection and thank yous from people online. And it's so fascinating that the intention wasn't to build a site that people would find even. You had really created it for yourself and for some of your colleagues in the office just as a resource and hadn't given a lot of thought to it after you did that. And yet here you are with all these people reaching out to you who are using it and, and calling you by name. It must have been quite a really interesting moment to process that. It was a very interesting moment. And it wasn't until, gosh, there, there were several moments that unlocked sort of new wide eyes for me and, and realizations to what was always there for me. By the way, a lot of people ask me now, Pat, if you didn't get laid off, do you think you'd be doing what you're doing today? And I guarantee the answer would be no. It actually required me to get laid off to take this action that was required to build a business. And, you know, because whether you want to call it your safety net or there's just no drive if you are in this sort of secure job, I didn't really have a reason to try these new things. But of course, anybody who knows anything about starting a business is you have to experiment. You have to put yourself out there and take these bolder risks. And I had a reason to do this. I had nothing else to lose. So that's just very interesting. If you happen to have gotten laid off recently, there are, there are opportunities out there for sure. And I think the other lesson is for those who might be thinking about or potentially having to have conversations about laying off people, they're you know, I, I also think about, and, and I actually had a conversation with my boss years later, who, the one who let me go, who said, Pat, wow, if I knew that you had this capability to help people in this way, we probably could have done something internally to help other architecture firms and other, you know, to have you sort of take the lead on lead education. And we could have given you resources to help you do that, but you were able to do it on your own. And I thought that was really interesting. It's like, wow, I didn't even know I could have provided this sort of level of service for my employer before. I could have, but I chose to do it on my own. So there might be some creative ways to take some knowledge and some experience and some skills that some of your team might have to create potentially new solutions that can help you keep afloat during this time. That's That I think is an interesting take as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a great invitation for us to think differently. I know when I think back on several points in my career, I just am astonished at how many opportunities I missed at the time that I now see so clearly of like, oh my gosh, I could have made a proposal, asked for something, began something on my own in my spare time that would have really been helpful to my organization, to my career at the time. And I missed so many opportunities. And a lot of it was I just didn't see it. And yet, at some point here, you really did see the potential, especially with the website, because you really did turn it into a business and turn it into something amazing, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, after I unlocked the comments and started seeing that people were asking me questions and looking for additional help. The first thing I did to quote unquote monetize it was I had discovered this thing called Google AdSense, which is essentially a snippet of code you put on your website that allows Google to display an advertisement sort of automatically in that spot. And it's based on, you know, what people have searched for previously. It's essentially renting real estate on your website and handing it off to Google. And if people click on that link or that banner or what have you, you might make some money. And I was like, cool, I can experiment with that. So I grabbed a snippet after signing up for Google AdSense. I put it on my homepage. That was like the only place I put it. I had no idea what I was doing. And I woke up the next day and I saw in my account 
but there was one dollar and eighteen cents. Ah, and I got to tell you, it was the best feeling. Ever. <laughs> it felt good, didn't it? <laughs> it was even though I could find that change in my couch cushion or at the bottom of my car. To know that that came out of something that I produced on my own and it was just online, like it was so, it was so ethereal. It was so weird to me, but it was also so encouraging because that one dollar was the start of me unlocking the ability for me to find other opportunities. And I eventually found out that there were much better ways in advertising to generate an income. And in fact, I had eventually taken this information that I had about this exam and packaged it into literally just a PDF. It it was a Word document that was exported as a PDF file and I sold that. And that's the start of this whole thing. And in in October of 2008, I had from a $19.99 ebook, I had made $7,908.55. Wow. And it was two and a half times more than I was making as, as sort of a job captain at the time, which was the other crazy thing. And every day I signed into my email expecting refunds, expecting some, something bad to happen. And all I saw were more, more PayPal notifications. And then I started to get thank you letters and even thank you letters in the mail as a result of this. And then the next month I had made $9,000 and then I started to add more products. I added an audio version of the guide after that. I started to get connected with some practice exam companies and started to sell their stuff on my website. And wow, it was just... It was just a roller coaster, a wild ride. I think another big point, though, that I want to share was I was still looking for an architecture job, even though this website is still making you know ten, twelve thousand dollars a month. I was still looking for an architecture job. I didn't fully believe internally that this is the path for me, and I liken it to you know how we climb the corporate ladder, right? And like imagine a a regular ladder that you're climbing. The higher up you go on that ladder, the higher up you are off the ground the higher things you can reach. But what else also happens? The tighter you grip because you don't want to fall, but like it's a harder fall from way up there. And I was this high on this ladder and I was gripping so tightly. And then here comes this new ladder, this ladder of entrepreneurship. And I put one hand on there and I got a feel for what it was like. And that was when I was doing ads and you know building this website and having people reply to me. That was really cool. And then I put another hand on that ladder and that's when I'm selling my product. And even though I was still selling my product, I still didn't believe that that was the ladder I should climb now. It wasn't until I fully let go of who I conditioned I thought I was supposed to be that I could then fully embrace this new world and really go all out. And once, once I started to believe that, okay, well, this is my new path now, that's really when things started to open up and unlock. That's when my blog at smartpassiveincome.com really started to take off. That was built to just show people openly what I had done and been learning in the world of online business. And then that eventually turned into a podcast and books and, and, and stage work and, and all this kind of stuff. I think that this idea of me believing who I thought it was supposed to be, and w- again, that changed in, in March of 2009. I got a call from my boss, the one who let me go. This was the first time I've spoken to him ever since he let me go. And he was like, hey, Pat, like, I hope you're okay. I just wanted to check in on you. And I was like, actually, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> and he was like, I know it's tough and you know, we, we let you go and I'm sorry that we weren't more open with you. That's the thing. Like they weren't authentic and transparent with me leading up to the layoff. If they were instead a little bit more open to the idea that everybody has the possibility of being laid off and being open with us about what that would look like and when it would happen, I would have been more receptive. Absolutely. And I would have been just more mentally stable as a result. I would have had time to actually mentally prepare for that versus what would actually happen, like I mentioned earlier. But anyway, he reached out to me. And in fact, what he did was he quit and he started his own firm. He took some of the clients that we had over with him, some clients that I was also working with too. He took some of the coworkers that I had 
really long-term relationships with to start his own firm. And he invited me back. He said, we're starting fresh and I want to give you a raise. I want to give you promotion. We got some new contracts with these clients now that we're sort of coming out of this recession now. And I'd love to invite you back on. I'll give you a corner office and we're even going to pay for a year's rent for you for free. And what was very surprising was it didn't take me more than two seconds to say thanks, but no thanks. Mm. And then after that call, I started to reflect on what am I doing? Like, how is that my default answer now? That would have been something that I would have been all over. But it's because I found this new ladder now and I was fully climbing it and I, and I didn't see the end at the top. I just wanted to keep climbing. That was a big moment. That's when I became an entrepreneur was at that moment after I hung up on that call because I knew that this was, a, this was a new ladder for me to climb on. And I think that the biggest thing that I've learned and the big takeaway here from that experience was that there are huge opportunities in that which we fear. Oftentimes the best things happen after sort of some sort of fear that you have before taking some action of some kind. And usually that fear is actually a good sign. I read a book called The War of Art from Stephen Pressfield. And it's about this idea about the battles within ourselves when we try to do something new. Whenever we're trying to do something new, it's almost like you're growing something new, like a tree. But every time that tree gets bigger, there's a shadow that comes along with it. And it's like directly proportional to the size. The bigger the thing that you're trying to do, the bigger that shadow. And oftentimes we focus on the shadow part of that. However, what Stephen Pressfield says is that self-doubt, that procrastination, that uh, fearfulness, it's actually a sign that whatever it is we're trying to do is important to us and that there could be something really great, great and potential on the other end. And I think that if everybody were to focus back on probably the best moments of their life, a lot of times right before that was some level of fear. And it's just now whenever I take action, especially in business, it's like if I'm not sensing a little bit of fear and a little bit of anxiety, it probably means I'm not making the right moves. It probably means I'm not going big enough. I'm playing it safe. Only when I've not played it safe, when I've stepped outside of that comfort zone, has awesome things have happened. So I always look now to try and find ways to, to get right on the edge where I'm fearful a little bit so that I can continue to, to grow and, uh, and expand my boundaries. For the leader listening who is going to be laying people off in the coming weeks and months, what invitation would you make to them based on your story? I would invite you to be as transparent with your team as possible and to let them know truthfully what could happen, but also at the same time, let them know everything that you're trying to do to make sure that doesn't happen. And I think if I were to receive something like that back in the day, I would have been a lot more receptive and a lot more mentally able to handle myself and probably get out of the funk much sooner. I think you owe it to your people, no matter what level they're at, to be open and honest with them. I think false hopes are worse than, you know, just laying it out on the line. And I would have appreciated that a lot. And I, and I did get apologies about that. I think the team knew later on that they didn't handle it quite in the right way. And to their credit, nobody, I think, saw or expected what was happening to happen. But architects got hit very hard. Um, nobody was buying creating any new buildings, thus didn't need any architects. And we held on as long as we could, but I think that oftentimes we feel we should only share that information with those per perhaps directly under us. But I think that because everybody's a human being, we all deserve that information. For the person listening whose story is sounding like yours, maybe has even been through a layoff recently, what advice do you have for them? Number one, Find people out there who will support you and understand you. They don't necessarily need to give you that advice about what to do next, but just have some support system, whether it's friends, colleagues, family, 
other people in forums online that you've connected with who can just understand what you're going through. There are people who are going through it with you. You are not alone. That's number one. Oftentimes, I remember even though the world was going through something in 2008, just like the world is going through something now, I often felt like I was the only one going through that thing. And that often made me feel very isolated and very uh, sad for myself. And I think, you know, if I found other people who are going through something similar, we could all be there to support each other. I was thinking back in our conversation that I think I probably became aware of you about in 2009, 2010 or so. And one of the reasons I followed your work so long is just how consistently you show up and really do follow the process and help people out. And you and your organization have just done a wonderful job during this time of uncertainty of supporting people. And in fact, you've put up an entire page on your website supporting folks going through this COVID-19 situation. And I think specifically some of the folks who are in the situation would really benefit from some of the resources that are there right now. Would you share that uh, with us as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the question that I wanted to present sort of leading into this is, well, what does this make possible? That's the one thing that I eventually had to learn was that, well, there are potentially great things that can come out of this, new opportunities. What does this make possible? I was always focused on when I got laid off, the things that I couldn't control. Oh, I wish the economy was different. Or, oh, I wish that this didn't happen. Or, oh, maybe I should have done something differently. But we can't change the past. But what does this make possible? Well, what does this now allow us to do? That's what I think people should be asking themselves in this situation. And that website, smartpassiveincome.com slash toolkit is a special page that my team and I put together in light of COVID-19 and everything that's happening to help those who are being affected in the business world around this from those who are just recently laid off or furloughed who want to use this as time and opportunity to discover perhaps a new path or something to supplement income in the meantime while things get sort of stabilized again. A way to learn how to, we have some podcast episodes, some emergency podcast episodes, we're calling them for people who want to figure out what skills they might have that they can then lend to others in exchange for money. So some freelancing opportunities. If you have a team that you're managing as a business owner, there are some resources there for you as well, how to manage your team, how to talk to them in light of everything that's happening. There's also some work from home tip informations and things like that. But I think the biggest thing is, is we're also giving away that book that you mentioned, Let Go, is there for free. There is another book that I have called Will It Fly, which is more about validating your business ideas up front so you don't waste your time and money. That book is available for free as well. We've given away over, I think, five or 6,000 copies of each of those books ever since the pandemic sort of started. And there's also a course called Smart From Scratch, which we normally sell for $249. It'll take you through the process of finding a new business idea and, and starting a new process, a new potentially career or side business. And that's actually free right now too. We've given away over $3 million worth of that course. And just we're continually adding new resources to help people during this time. I know a lot of people look up to me to help them with business but especially now, having my story in 2008 be so relatable to today, I think it's even more valuable that um, you know these resources that essentially we've been creating over time are really prepared to help people in this sort of situation. Thank you so much for making so much of that available. The link will be, of course, in the episode notes, also in this week's weekly leadership guide. Pat Flynn is the author of Let Go, How to Transform Moments of Panic into a Life of Profits and Purpose. You can find them at smartpassiveincome.com. Pat, thanks so much for your wisdom. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, everybody. I want to highlight again one of the resources Pat mentioned during this conversation in case you missed it, especially if you're looking for resources right now, the Online Business Toolkit. Pat has made available a number of things for free, including this book, Let Go, that we talked about today, one of his other books, 
And several of the courses that his team normally sells for several hundred dollars are available right now for free. It's wonderful work. And if you're looking for a place to start, I highly recommend it. Online Business Toolkit will be linked up in the episode notes also in this Wednesday's Weekly Leadership Guide. Thank you so much, Pat, and the entire team for making that available to all of us. In addition, I'd recommend several past episodes if this conversation was helpful to you and you'd like to dive in on more. First of all, episode 85, 10 ways to pick yourself up when you're beaten down. Of course, we all get beaten down. I have been beaten down at places in my career, certainly professionally, also personally. In episode 85, I walk through 10 things that have worked for me. I've seen work for others that begin to start that process of recovery. That's a good place to start if you're looking for more ideas. Also recommended episode 232, how to manage your inner critic with Tara Moore. In that conversation, Tara and I talked about the inner critic That voice that all of us hear in our heads that tells us we're not good enough, we're not capable, we can't do this as well as other people can do it. And she helps us to take some really practical steps to be able to not eliminate the inner critic because we're never going to do that, but to be able to keep it at bay a bit and and maybe just maybe to actually have it work for us, episode 232. Also recommended episode 384, Your Attitude Defines Your Altitude. My guest on that episode was Howard H. White. He is the vice president of the Jordan brand, the person who made the Jordan brand happen at Nike. He talks about his journey of beginning in basketball and actually on the path to become an NBA star and then injury sidelined him, an unexpected deviation from the career he was planning. And yet, because he kept his attitude in the right place, he was able to achieve something just extraordinary in business. Uh, Episode 384, a wonderful story from H. White. Check that out. And then finally, I'd recommend two episodes from my journal podcast, the Dave's Journal, two entries that may be useful to you. One entry called Keep Going and the other entry called If You Can, move your feet. Both of those will give you a few ideas on keeping things moving. All of those links you can find on the episode notes also in this week's weekly leadership guide. And if you'd like to receive that in your inbox every Wednesday, it has always the resources and links from every episode. It also includes many of the resources I found around the internet during the week that I think that will be helpful to you in your ongoing leadership development. Plus, it will also give you access to the entire free membership on the coachingforleaders.com website. When you set up your free membership, the weekly leadership guide will begin coming to you on Wednesday. In addition, you'll get access to the entire library since 2011 of every expert interview, searchable by topic, One of the topics that this conversation is going to be filed under is difficult situations. And of course, we've had many conversations about difficult situations and how to handle them over the years on the show. Coachingforleaders.com is where to activate that, plus access to the book notes, all of my notes that I took from Pat's book as I read through Let Go, all available inside the free membership portal. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Bonnie back to the show. It is our monthly question and answer show, the first Monday of every month. If you have a question you'd like us to consider, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback to submit your question to us. Have a wonderful week and look forward to seeing you back next Monday. Take care, everybody.